Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. So Jesus says to Peter, you have left everything. You are following me. But Peter, watch your motives. It's kind of this commercial motive you've got, Peter. If you think that I'm going to give you lots of rewards because of all the effort you've done and all the things you've done for me, and you have done a lot of things, Peter, I'm glad for it. If you think of the sacrifice and the rank and the commitment that you made to me, but if your commitment is only because you want to know what you're going to get from giving, then Peter, you go to heaven. But all of those things you've done for me, wrong motive, burned. Christian, imagine you have an unbelieving friend who you love. You've known them for years and have supported each other through life's hurdles. You've rejoiced with your friend in their prosperity while always trying to point them to the Lord. One day you get a call. Your friend has committed their life to God. What a different kind of rejoicing you experience now. There is nothing this world can offer that compares with the salvation offered by Christ. There's nothing material that goes with us to heaven. Seek to do the Lord's will here and reap the eternal rewards. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 26, with the conclusion of our message entitled, Wealth and Spiritual Health. More than 20 years ago, I heard a doctrine that initially I thought was pretty good as I listened to it, but it wasn't but a few weeks or months afterward that I knew it was not correct doctrine. Some of you may have come through that. It's called the prosperity doctrine for a Christian, or the name it and claim it. In other words, whatever you name, you can have, and God wants you to do this and wants you to do that. I've seen the disaster of that false doctrine with many people who never even stepped back into church again. Because when they claimed it, it didn't happen, and they didn't blame the doctrine which was wrong. They blamed God, so they never stepped back into church again. Now, the other day, I thought pretty much this had had just run its course through the churches. Even though there are major speakers and people, teachers in the body, who are wonderful Christians, but they just have the wrong understanding of the word in this area, that are still there. I thought it was gone until I got on my exercise bike, and I popped the TV on, And I was exercising, and this pastor came on from Chicago. I'd never seen him before. And my heart almost stopped as I heard him speak. So it's dangerous to exercise while watching Christian TV sometimes. (laughs) Here's what he said, verbatim. God wants you to be rich. Here's the second thing he said. In fact, God wants you to be very rich. And I went, what? You know, my heart's going, blum, blum, blum. <laughs> so I stopped for a moment, and then he really shocked me. I couldn't even exercise with this one. Here's what he said. In fact, God wants you to flaunt your richness. He says you need to put it in the front yard, in the driveway. So when people go down the street, this part I'm adding, but the driveway, they'll know, they'll see that you're blessed by God with the prosperity. 
I stopped and wrote some notes because I knew I was going to be teaching on this. And I guarantee you, I'd, I'd send the tape to this guy, except I'll probably get sued. But as a Christian, I shouldn't worry about money anyway, so I guess... <laughs> whatever. <laughs> now, the crowd is clapping. Praise God, we found a home church. I like this. I like this. Well, no kidding. But it's false doctrine. Now, if he'd ever read the verse that says, if you desire to be rich, it's almost impossible to get in the kingdom. But how do you reconcile that plus his statement? He's never seen the balance in the word of God. Incredible. God does not want you to be rich. He'll bless you. But the goal isn't rich or poverty. The goal is a personal relationship with Jesus. You'll see on the overhead this. Wealth perverts our values. Soon we know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. You could study, restudy Mark 4 that we went through. The riches cause the individual to be very, very ineffective in their spiritual life. In fact, the word says it choked out spirituality. So if you have a desire to be rich, don't leave here with that desire. It will cost you spiritually. You'll make a bad investment of your life. Now, back in Mark chapter 10, verse 26, the disciples knew that a camel couldn't fit through a needle. So look at their response. It says the disciples were even more amazed and said to one another, Who then can be saved? In other words, what are you saying, Jesus? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God all things are impossible. So what Jesus is saying here is this. Salvation by human means is totally impossible. Jesus overheard them and says, Who can be saved? I believe he would have responded like this. Well, without God, no one can be saved. Without admitting their need of God, no one can be saved. Without giving up with whatever is in first place in their life and putting God there, no one could be saved. Now, Jesus was not saying that only the wealthy will have difficulty being saved. What Jesus was saying is this, that salvation to anyone, rich, poor, middle class, without, from the human standpoint, is totally impossible. Jesus was saying you can't trust in anything in you if you want to be a Christian. When you and I came to Jesus Christ, we came to the cross, we were all on level ground. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. If you're going to come to Jesus Christ, those of you that want to become a Christian, you will not get here because your dad was a Christian, your uncle belonged, was a deacon in a church or something, and you give money, you do lots of good deeds, you take communion, you will come the same way all of us have come. Rich, poor, middle class, doesn't matter. We all come to the cross because of the work that Jesus Christ did. Now notice in verse 27 a very important principle. Jesus said, with man this is impossible. But then he says, with God... I believe he said it like this. With man, it's impossible. With God, everything's possible. And he's saying to the disciples, don't put me in a box. With God, absolutely everything. So you may be here this morning, the worst sinner in the world. Is it possible if you come to Jesus Christ and ask forgiveness that he'll save you? Absolutely. You might be the best person in this community. I mean, you could be Mr. Church, Mrs. Church, whatever, but no, no, Jesus Christ, if you come and ask him to forgive you of your sins, which you've sinned, will he save you? Absolutely. Because it's possible with God, but it's impossible with man. Now, 
Verse 28 talks about our motives. Our motives must be godly. So shy Peter, listening to this, you know shy Peter, the guy that never speaks up. Shy Peter in verse 28 says to him, while we have left everything to follow you. Why does Peter do this? Notice he includes we. Don't you like people to include we, you in it, when you had nothing to do with it? The reason he's saying we is, if he's wrong, the whole group gets yelled at, not just Peter. Smart Peter. He says, we have left everything. So Peter is saying to Jesus, hey, unlike this rich young ruler that walked away, we, we did give up everything. And what he's really saying, even though it isn't stated here, is this. Since we gave up everything, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Now, if you see down in verse 31, I believe that's the answer. Jesus says in verse 31, Peter, many who are first will be last, and the last first. I believe he says, Peter, watch your motive. What do you mean, what's in it for you? Peter, if you come to me and you've given up everything, you left that fishing boat and you followed me and you're coming to me, everything, if you're coming because of something you want to get... If you come and follow me for the rewards, Peter, you come with the wrong motive. Peter, those who came first, if they come with the wrong motive, will be last. But those that come even now, later, but they come with the right motive, maybe first. And if you take a look at verse 29, you'll see what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, Peter, if your motives are other than Look at the end of verse 29. Let's read it. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left homes or brothers or sisters or mother, father or children, feels for me and the gospel. That's why you and I are serving Christ today. Underline that. That's why you and I are serving. If you're serving Jesus Christ this morning for any other reason than for Jesus and the spread of the gospel, your motive is wrong. So Jesus says to Peter, you have left everything. You are following me. But Peter, watch your motives. It's kind of this commercial motive you've got, Peter. If you think that I'm going to give you lots of rewards because of all the effort you've done and all the things you've done for me, and you have done a lot of things, Peter, I'm glad for it. If you think of the sacrifice and the rank and the commitment that you made to me, but if your commitment is only because you want to know what you're going to get from giving, then Peter, you go to heaven. But all of those things you've done for me, wrong motive, burned. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So Peter, if you're not doing it for me, in the gospel, you're doing it wrong. And then Jesus goes on and he says to him, because I love Jesus, he says, now there are rewards for being a Christian and for serving me with the right motives. Let's look at the rewards in verse 30. For me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's fields, and with them persecutions and in the age to come. I believe he said to Peter, Peter, you're doing the right thing. You have made the right choice. You are following me. Now, since you're following me, Peter, if you're going to follow me with the right motives now, I adjusted your motive this morning. If you're following me with the right motives, what are you going to get? Well, let's look at that verse again. Well, fail to receive. In other words, if you're following God for the right motive, what am I going to get? I'm going to get a hundred times. Those of you that are math majors, that's 10,000%. Go down to First Bank tomorrow and ask for 10,000% CD. 10,000%. Incredible. What am I going to get? Well, he says, Peter, you're going to get homes and sisters and brothers and mothers and children. You're going to just be blessed out of your socks. And, I'm, and as I watched the video, 
I could see Jesus saying this to them. And Peter's thinking, man, I left here and I did this. And I've been walking with Jesus for three years. And I'm seeing people's lives change. And I saw two fish and five loaves of bread. And all of the people, 5,000 fed, then another 4,000 fed. Man, this has just been incredible. Benefits. Man, there's been so many benefits. How can I? Whoa, what's wrong with me? It's been great following Jesus Christ. Sometimes you have to do that to yourself. Is it great serving Jesus Christ or what? It's incredible. So Jesus said there's benefits in this age. And that's today. But then he says there's benefits where? In the next age, the coming age, which is the eternal life. Now, I believe there's two things that are filtered out of verse 30. The rewards of putting God first in our life are abundant life with contentment here and now, right today. Christian, if you don't have contentment where God has you, then your desires are wrong. You have to bring it under submission to God. Secondly, the ultimate benefit certainly is eternal life. And if we're good investors, stored up treasures, because we've done it with the right motives. I just want to give you some things I thought about. I don't want to talk about Peter, but I want you to think about your life, how wonderful it is to be a Christian. What are the rewards you have for serving God? Today. Just start thinking about them in your own life. Here's some things I wrote down for me. When I came to Jesus Christ, what did I give up? Well, I gave up my loneliness, my emptiness, my guilt from my sins. And I exchanged it for a life of forgiveness and freedom of serving Jesus Christ. Is that a good deal or what? That's a great deal. But it doesn't end there. See, I mean, that'd be great enough. But it, it goes on to living one day at a time. Do you know that as I live one day at a time now, I just simply trust God will take care of me. He's my security. He's my safety net. As long as I don't watch Christian TV while I'm exercising, He's perfectly my Savior. Number three, to wake up every morning, listen, to wake up every morning knowing that God loves me, but not sure how He's going to use me that day. If I'm living for Him, it will be to extend His kingdom. That's incredible. I never know what a day is going to bring. Yes, I go through the same kind of routines all of you do. I don't know what the day is going to be like. And when I was just a hospital pharmacist for those 29 years before I became a pastor, I served God exactly the same way. I didn't know what God was going to do. God's awesome. Now, simply every day getting up and saying, God, I know there's other desires that will come in and replace you as first in my life. I want to set them aside. I want to serve you. What a blessing. I have so many blessings from God. When we came here to start the church, we just had a few people, just a small little teeny core group. Some of them have gone back to Merritt Island. We started here just to see what God would do. One day I said to my wife, you know, we've been at that church in Merritt Island for a long time. We have all these friends and people's houses we can go to, and I can call them on the phone, and I know all these people. It's going to be a little tough just to go down and start with 10 people or 20 people that we know, and nobody would know if anybody else even show up at the church or whatever. It's going to be tough. Man, look what God's done. We have like 1,300 people now, all friends. I can come to your house anytime and just sit down and eat and have a good time with you and just get to know you and whatever. Just leave the addresses at the back as you leave. And what I'm trying to say is to know you're loved and to love people is the greatest thing in the world. When I drive by here and I think in my heart, man, has God blessed me. One of the fears from early on was that I would never be holy enough to be a pastor. Well, I never will be. I'm just like you. 
One of the greatest things that the enemy brings that I have to always fight is that somehow I will fall and fail so that God, as we'll see, would take you and set you on a shelf. I don't want to ever be set on the shelf. I don't want to have to drive by this church and see all the cars and all the people's lives being changed and not be able to stand and teach His Word. What a horrible thing that would be. But on the other hand, what an awesome blessing to come and just come and I don't know who's going to be here, who's going to get saved, what's going to happen, to present His Word and just go, wow, God, I mean, I don't deserve this. This is incredible. And for some of you that have been in the church a long time, to watch God bless, you need to be enjoying this. This is incredible to watch God just add to the church daily. It's the way it's supposed to be. And the way it's done is always by putting Him first. And then the ultimate, when I die, and when you die, to know that I'm going to heaven. Do you know I never, ever have a doubt that I'm going to heaven? That's a great assurance. It should be for you. You never have a doubt that you're going to heaven. I wrote in a few words, how I feel about that. Ask yourself this question this week. What would I give, what would I give in exchange for my walk with God? What, what would you exchange that would take the place of your walk with God? And as you meditate on that, you're going to go, man, absolutely not a zero, nothing. Nothing can take the place of that walk with God. Now some of you say, well, Pastor Mark, you didn't read with much emphasis verse 30, the part that I don't like. In verse 30 there is the P word. I'm not only going to get wonderful rewards, but look what he says, I'm going to get with them persecutions. I don't like it. You know what's really interesting? You don't know this, but I didn't know it until I studied it. When Mark was writing this book, in context, in the church that he was writing it to, in that very day, they were being killed for being Christians. So when they went, the blessings of God, and then they say, coming with the blessings of God is persecution, they went, it's okay. This prosperity doctrine is garbage. We will be persecuted if we're Christians. And even though I'm being persecuted, God still loves me. You see, the reason I believe he gives persecutions is to balance my greediness. He brings me hard times to stretch me, to make me realize I can't trust in myself. I must trust in him. In fact, the Gospels go so far to say this, that if you persecuted for Christ's sake, you should count it in honor. That takes some work on, doesn't it? So God is good. He has blessed me. Now, Verse 19 of 1 Timothy says this, and I want to just speak to you Christians just for a moment. Verse 19 at the end of that verse says, life that is truly life. If you're a Christian this morning, do you really have true life? Are you enjoying your walk with God? Or has somehow the money monster grabbed hold, a, a tight hold in your life? Has those extra hours and that extra benefit and that 401 and I've got to get the retirement and... Has it grabbed a hold of you, and is that now first in your life rather than God? Is there a desire for things that have choked out your spiritual effectiveness? Are you constantly worried about your things? I believe God has spoken to many of you, and here's the question. Will you submit to His rule? Will you set aside what He tells you? 
Will you get on simply with real life? When we study Solomon, we come to a great passage of Scripture. And in Solomon, and we come to this passage of Scripture, he just becomes king of Israel, the nation of Israel. And God comes to him in a dream and he says, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. Now that's a great open book, isn't it? And here's what Solomon says in response to that. God, I'm petrified. By the way, Solomon was 20 when he took over the kingdom. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm over my head. All of these people. Man, I'm... And he says this, God, give me wisdom, insight, spiritual understanding. Really what he's saying is this, God, give me ears to hear your voice, and I'll tell this. And the reason he wanted the wisdom? So he could rule the people. What a wise choice. What would you have chosen? And God comes back to him and says, Solomon, because you haven't chose long life or riches or the destruction of your enemy, which tells us that's normally what we would have chosen, God says, I'm going to give you wisdom. In fact, for all time, you'll be known as the wisest man in all the world. And then God says, good choice. And by the way, since you didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to give it to you as a bonus. Since you didn't ask for honor, I'm going to give it to you as a bonus. Isn't that like our God? You see, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or think. So if you put God first, he does what? He just adds all the rest of this stuff. What a great God we have. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. If you need to do a little adjustment in your spiritual life, do it. Put God first. Don't be worried about all that jazz. Now, I'm not talking about not working, sitting here and saying, well, mm, God's going to provide for me. No, the Bible says to you, you're an infidel. You're worse than an infidel. Get off your duff and get to work. Is that simple enough? Now, if you want to know how I really feel about it, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> but for those of us that are doing that, God will supply your need. Notice the last line says, life that is truly life. Some of you this morning are here and you're breathing, but you don't know forgiveness of sins. You don't know peace and joy and God's love. You want to know it. And you've tried lots of ways, but you've never found God. Well, here's what. It's like a camel in a needle. You cannot come to God with human ways. You can't come to God because you're good enough. You can't come to God because you've taken communion. You've given money. You only come to God one way, His way. And that's through the cross. And here's how you find this life that is truly life. You say, God, I'm a sinner. I want you to come into my life. I want to know what Pastor Mark's talking about, that when I get up in the morning, I can have peace. I can have forgiveness of sins. My guilt can be gone. And more than that, I'm going to know I'm going to heaven. You know, that's the greatest thing in the... It doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm enjoying life now, even with the persecutions. And I know I'm going to heaven. The two greatest rewards, God. In this portion of Pastor Mark's teaching from the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, we heard how an abundant life here and now can be filled with contentment. As followers of Christ and not wealth, we store up eternal treasures and not temporary stuff. 
The Lord's kingdom and righteousness are to be sought first, and the blessings of this life an afterthought. No amount of wealth will ever be as fulfilling as a life lived for Jesus. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll see how we're all enslaved by sin, which ultimately leads to death. But there is hope as Jesus paid the ransom for our freedom. Despite this amazing gift, people will still put their selfish ambitions ahead of the Lord, obedient to the flesh instead of the one who gives life. As it turns out, it's not complicated. You can only serve one master, so choose wisely. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.